Hello, Cyclocross friends, and welcome to episode 306 of Cyclocross Radio. I'm going to make this really fast because it's currently about 6.30 in the morning and I'm standing outside in a field in the rain and the wind to record this because I don't want to wake up anybody in our house in Madison because uh, they're going to be racing soon. So uh, real quick, uh, this is an episode with Zach and Michael. We're talking uh, about Berenjin and also Major Taylor. We talk a little bit about the World Cup and what's happening this weekend. Uh, and I mention it a lot in this episode because I just... Uh, the reality reality is that you will probably listen to this after those races happen. So I didn't want to talk too much about what's going to happen before they happen because they're already done. Does that make sense? Probably not. Hey, subscribe to the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. Also go to cxhairsdistro.com, buy some t-shirts, and finally cxhairs.substack.com. Become a subscriber to the CX Hairs Bulletin. All right. We got Michael and Zach. We're talking about Berenjen. We're talking about Major Taylor. We're talking about the World Cup race that in your life probably already happened. And we're doing all that right now. We're back in the media pit. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we got to get this in, in quick guys. We, we are, we are on a tight deadline. I, I am in Wisconsin. It's Thursday evening. I believe I've kind of lost track of time. We got racing tomorrow yet. We need to talk about last weekend in Indianapolis, plus the upcoming world cup in two days here. Plus I, I guess a C2 tomorrow. So we got a lot going on. So, uh, I don't know, Bodie. Do we do we do we uh, gra- gravel golf? What what's what's going on? There's absolutely nothing going on in my life except work, so I have no fun anecdote to tell. And the even saddest part is that I'm not going to be at Truck Cup or Waterloo World Cup because of said work. So all I want to say to kick off this podcast is be mine, Belgian Cross, because I loved Sunday's race. All right. Good, good. Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about that Berenger. I don't think I mentioned that of the things we need to talk about. That's probably well, the, the the biggest, our first real Euro cross race of the the week. Zach, anything happy going on in your life? Uh, guys, I know Bill, you're always giving me a hard time about riding in Watopia, but uh, I've also been really busy with work and I've had other stuff going. I've ridden my bike three days in a row, and I don't know if I've done that since August. And you know wow. what? It feels great. Miles and not Ziles? Uh, I did. I went to a live podcast taping last night, actually, uh, of the uh, Judge John Hodgman podcast. It was a lot of fun. Laughed a lot. It was pretty funny. And I was like, man, we should do this sometime. But I don't know if we would get a raucous crowd that's laughing at us. But it was good energy. It was better energy, that I think, than on the show normally. Uh, so if you haven't been to a live podcast taping, uh, someone suggested it to me. I went to it. It was a, it was a blast. And I rode my bike there. That was the only time I rode outside. <laughs> Amazing. That sounds that sounds great. Zach, speaking of podcasts, quickly, RGT's canceled. Are you are you getting the guys on the horn? I need to get the details on that. So oh, I'm just, did you just ask about oh, you asked about nowhere fast. I have it on good word, Bodie, that we are gonna record an episode next week. Okay, great. Good. Uh and knowing my edit time, that'll mean it'll be out by Halloween. So by Halloween you might get the deets on this. Okay, good. I can wait. I can wait. I like. I want to get the nowhere fast take. So, okay. We are on hiatus, but we will be back. All right. Where should we start? Let's uh, let's start in Indianapolis. Zach, you were you were you, you had boots on the ground. Tell me about the the Indyplex. You know, I. Been to a lot of races in the U.S., uh, but I haven't been to all of them. And uh, I feel like for I feel like Indianapolis is one I should have gone to. You know, I lived in Madison. It was probably a six or seven hour drive. Folks have gone down there before and gone to race there, and I, I never I never made the trip. Uh, but you know, living in Chicago now, I was like, there's really no reason for me to not go down there. And I was actually surprised. It was only like a three-hour and 15-minute drive from Chicago. I thought it was going to be like four and a half. For some reason, I had four and a half 
stuck in my head, but I think that's like if you like go to Champagne first and then go over or something. I don't know. It was close enough to go. I went. First time I've ever done it. Um, it was a cool course. I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I think I was telling um, some folks this, that I think for a lot of these courses, you get a sense of what they are from the photos that people shoot. And I think there's been so many years where there's been the mud bog, which is kind of on the lower part of the course, that that's really what the photos have, have concentrated on. And maybe I didn't pay the closest attention because I was looking back at like what people have done from previous years. Uh, but I had no idea what to expect. Uh, it's kind of like a two-part course, a lot of fun. The riders loved it. Uh, the, the part by the velodrome is really kind of where the money is. It's up on the side of a hill, so it's like a velodrome that's kind of put in the side of a hill. So there's a really steep climb up to the top of it. Uh, there's stuff on the side hill. And then there's a really neat, like, actually dual slalom section, like downhill mountain bike section that I'm sure y'all saw photos of uh, that, you know, the riders go ripping down and then they go kind of ride. Then it was like true field riding. I felt like our European friends... Uh, we're at home on the the second part of the course because it was literally in a field. Uh, Zoe Backstead was talking about all the crickets that were out there during pre-ride on Friday. So I think they had to do some extra mowing. Uh, surprisingly, guys, I got poison ivy at uh, Charm City and it's been like tearing up my arm. I didn't. I don't think I got poison ivy yet. So I was actually impressed that I haven't gotten some from just being in this field, but somehow climbing in the trees at Druid Hill Park, don't do that. Don't go climbing in the trees because I got poison ivy there. Um, and then probably the, the, the biggest thing of interest is uh, there's really a, another finish before the finish. I feel like this has really been the theme of the year. There's kind of like this road embankment. It's one of those where it just keeps kind of like winding up and down and along it. Uh, very tight, nowhere to pass at the end. So very, you know, strong finish before the finish vibes uh, to it. So that's kind of the course on uh, the take. Um, I think it was an event that brought folks from the Midwest, uh, good fields also brought international field. You know, we had Zoe Backstead, I think was the headliner for the, uh, women's race. Bodie Montebacher was there. She was in a van with, I, I don't know if it's her parents, but like team gear on two old, old Belgy dudes. I, I was trying to like interview her after the podium and they just whisked her away into the van and they drove off. And I was like, I didn't get a chance to to get some quotes from her. So she was there. Uh, we had Joris Neuenhuis. Uh was kind of like, I think, the big name. Also, friend of the media pit, David Haverdings, showed up. And a, a very tired Anton Ferdinande. Uh, Ferdinand was there. Uh, it was kind of interesting. He, I talked to him. He finished third. Spoiler alert. And he was like, I'm very tired. And I was like, you should not race on Sunday, bro. He's like, I shouldn't race on Sunday. And you know what? He ended up racing on Sunday. <laughs> doing crappy again. So I don't know if he's, he's going to be limping into the, uh, to the, to the world cup a little bit, but you know, I guess he's making the most of his time here racing himself into the ground. So kind of a bummed that he didn't listen to the media guy on that one. Uh, but Bill, I gather you've been there before. You were asking a lot of, a lot of good questions and pointing out anecdotes of, of you've been there. I was there once, I think in, Two, oh man, I can't remember what year it was. Two years ago, maybe. Uh, it was it was one of the rain weekends for there, um, and yeah. So I got to experience the actual bog. I got to experience people sinking down to their knees in mud in the infield, which was interesting. So the whole infield of the velodrome was a run when I was there. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun course. You, you know, it's funny. People are like, Oh, the dual slalom is so dangerous. You know, the, that it's there because we saw the video of the one guy just like completely sending it. And, um, it, I don't know. I think maybe even that other descent sort of the blind descent on the other side might be even more scary, uh, going down. But, uh, regardless, it's like, it's it's cyclocross, you know. You there there are speed limits on things. If you there there are a lot of things you can send, you know. There are a lot of places you can screw up in cyclocross and just do dumb things, but you don't have to. So that's 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 my um, editorial comment on that that video that went viral about the guy just flying off the uh, dual slalom course. Yeah, I mean, if you're not flying off the dual slalom course, you're not flying into view counts, man. I mean, you got to send it for the gram, and that's what he did. If you're not going to win, right? So, 
I mean, he was way back. It was a tabletop. No one else was sending the tabletop and crashing. Like, you didn't have to send the tabletop. He chose to. He gets up, and he's smiling. He's laughing. He knew what he was doing. He was trying to get on the grams. And you know what? It worked. He did it for the content. I didn't see anyone else crash there. People were ripping down the dual slum. You don't have to. You can go up a tabletop and pump it and put your front tire back on the ground. You don't have to go up over the tabletop and try to send it over the entire thing. Yeah, but what does it say that this is the first time I've learned that there was a dual slalom at major taylor i didn't learn that until i watched the video i thought this was some other race and i was like well look at this dude sending it and i'm like oh no that's actually major taylor i've never seen that part of the course um which i don't know i feel like they should have been sending people earlier on uh to get the attention of the internet Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably partly due to kind of the place on the calendar. You know, Danny Huang, who's doing all the, or is it a Wang? Danny Huang, who's doing all the video for USA Cycling. He's doing a phenomenal job. Like, such cool video stuff he was shooting with the drone and whatnot. Like, you know, he was doing a great job. So it was awesome to to kind of have him there. Um, But yeah, it's it's a course where you kind of have to make choices about where you're going to go. Uh, I'm a little surprised that you didn't know about it because, like, if I was, say, a video guy, like, the way cooler stuff is over by the velodrome. The the rest of it's literally just a field. It's literally just field riding. (laughs) I have lots of photos of guys and girls, men and women in a field. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you finally got to see that because it's pretty cool. And, you know, like, talking to to Belle Holmgren after the race, she was like, yeah, I really like that uh, there's all those mountain bike descents. And I was like, whoa, if true. You know, because, you know, she won mountain bike worlds, obviously enjoyed that part. So uh, the racing, uh, yeah, Zoe Backstead won uh, both days. I was there on Saturday. I drove down on just for Saturday. Um, She had a gap uh, a minute into the race. Uh, She actually crashed. It was really funny. It was uh, she crashed in the velodrome, not like on the velodrome, but in the infield. Um, And I was asking her and she was like, oh, yeah, I like to get out to a good start. So if, for example, if I crash, uh, then I'm still in front. And so, you know, she lost her lead, uh, but then she opened it up again. Uh, It was kind of funny. Manabakar came over and she was, uh, she dropped an F-bomb in reference to how fast Zoe started, but then indicated that she was really happy that Zoe crashed (laughs) because it let her get back in the race. Um, So that was really it. It was actually time trial city. I, I didn't. You know, in terms of race report, I had my little Blues Clues notebook and I was ready to take notes. And I was just like, one lap in, I'm like, all right, we're just we're just taking photos. Like, this is basically the the end result. Uh, you know, the first four positions, I think, were decided. Lauren Zerner dropped her chain early in the race and rode back into it. But that was basically Saturday's race. I don't know how much more there is to really say about it. It was it was a true rider in a field uh, time trial kind of kind of affair. Zach, it sounds like day two in the men's race, a little more action, especially at the front. I see in the results, one second difference between Yoris and Eric. So I know you have a race report on the bulletin, but how did that one shake out? Yeah, I think the, 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 really the, the interesting, I mean, like the one that had drama uh, to it was day one on Saturday. Um, yeah, I, I think what was interesting to me is that I'm as guilty of this. I admitted it in my write-up about the World Cups for the bulletin that was kind of like, where's Eric Bruner? You know, he he finished second at Nationals and was disappointed. He went to Europe, had really poor middling results there. He skipped Worlds. Uh, He's been getting his shit rocked in the Lifetime Grand Prix series all summer. So we're like, oh, what's up with this guy? I don't know. Is he good anymore? I don't know. You know, he's pretty good last year. (laughs) Finished fourth at the Failville World Cup. Like won five races in an eight-day span or whatever, you know, the the November to remember that he had. And he was doing gravel. And we've, we've seen a lot of talk this year. Uh, the talk, I think, so far has been that gravel has really blunted the sharp edge of a lot of riders. So that's what they felt, that they didn't have that sharp edge. And it was like, oh, man, what's Bruner going to come in? Like, dude takes the whole shot. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, all right, he's doing that. And man, he just revved it. He stayed on the front and he was flying the entire first lap. And so, you know, really broke it apart. It was Bruner, uh, Ferdinand, Joris, and then David Haverdings was really kind of the group that that broke out. But I, I was surprised at like how sharp he looked. Like he was 
really bossing around that group. He was the guy who was dictating the pace. He was really strong on this steep climb. It was like one of those where it had like, you went up a little and then down to scrub all your speed. And then you had to like climb straight up. And he was really uh, pushing it on that climb and putting the other riders under pressure. Gets a gap. It's down to Bruner and Joris Neuenhaus, uh, which was uh, maybe to be expected. And I mean, I really felt like, I felt like Bruner had him under pressure. Like yours said as much in the last lap, he was really pushing it on the climbs and had him on, uh, on his back foot, but it wasn't a long enough climb, you know, it was super steep. So there's really no way to like get a gap off of that. And Bruner's like, Oh, guess we're coming down to the finish before the finish. And that's really what it came down to was a sprint to the far side of the course. And, you know, Yoris was just sitting on his wheel and he was able to get the jump and, you know, it's a long finish before the finish section. You know, Bruner was on his wheel for a good minute, you know, while we were kind of waiting for them. It's kind of on the far side of the course from where the finish is. Um, yeah, and Bruner wasn't able to to come around him. But it was it was a good battle. Uh, two worthy opponents. I mean, I was right about this, too. I think the big takeaway is, uh, you know, Bodie, we were talking about this, right? Like, how old did you think yours is? I mean, I don't know. He's probably 30 or something like that, right? You know, been around. Yeah, I, I, I thought so too, right? Like we haven't seen him. He went away. He did road. Like where did Yoris go? We haven't seen this guy. He's he's only twenty seven, uh, and so last year was his first year back. He had some good revolts. He finished third at a World Cup. He finished fourth at Euros. He finished second at Dutch National. This is like a top echelon European dude, and Bruner was kind of like going toe to toe, if not being the one to kind of dictate the pace with him. So. Looked pretty good. I talked to Bruner. He's like, you know what? Honestly, like, I was like, bro, how come Gravel didn't ruin you? And he's like, dude, Gravel has been great. Uh, I think his quote was, you can thank Gravel. Uh, so I think for him, you know, he's been a, a cyclocross dude. And I think he's one of those guys that sounds like he's really benefited from volume, you know, doing that volume. And he hasn't really lost the sharp edge. He's done a local race. He's been doing hole shots with Scotty Funston. Gave a shout out to uh, to Happy Fun Balls, uh, you know, for his fast start. So I don't know. My takeaway is Bruner looked pretty damn good, <laughs> and all the hype and all the questions that I was guilty of were probably, you know, he's probably just laughing, listening to the media pit, you know, reading the bulletin and being like, "Bro, you don't even know what's coming." I think there's understandable questions. I think a good point. We, I don't know. You followed it his goings in gravel this year. And it didn't seem like it was, you know, it's a lot of like, ah, tough race. You don't learn how to do this, you know, not sort of find, trying to find the positives beyond the results. So I, and I, and when I read your, your uh, report and I heard on his Instagram, just his quote that gravel was good. is such an about face from everything else we have heard from everybody else. I find it extremely uh, interesting and illuminating, uh, to the type of character that Eric is. So, yeah, I mean, he wins day two. Yoris doesn't start. Um, and I'm I, yeah, I'm curious to see, do we know, is he starting Trek Cup tomorrow? Is he, is he racing? Okay. I think he is. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, I was thinking back to, I think when we realized, when our, I think when our collective eyes were like, oh, uh, you know, we did the, uh, was Friday night at Jingle Cross in 2021. You know, you had some Euros at the front. We saw Eric mixing it up with, like, was it Vincent Bastans, Ferdinand, and Thies Ertz. And, like, look, I'll be honest. I mean, we love Vinny B. Ferdinand's provided us with great podium content um, for his excitement. Like, yours is another level up of, like, riders. Like, we have not, we've rarely seen an American rider go toe-to-toe with a caliber of athlete, like a caliber of rider uh, like yours. Uh, and it might just be one race. You know, yours was jet-lagged. He had to drive down from Wisconsin, you know, a drive that <laughs> yours truly never made. Um, but I, it's interesting to me because I just don't think we've seen American males go toe-to-toe with, a, a, yeah, a European rider of that caliber. And I'm excited to see what comes next. So I, I guess one of the things that we have to look forward to this weekend, you know, it's great. It's a World Cup. That's the biggest thing to look forward to. But just from the North American scene is now we've had a lot of looks at where Curtis is. We've had a lot of looks at where Strohmeyer 
is, and I I just um, I'm really looking forward to seeing. You, you can't. It, it's tough to do just a linear or, or just matchy matchy like this race is how these guys are looking, and this race is how these guys are looking. So it's going to be good to see them in the same race um, because it may be the only time we get to until ban it. No, until nationals. Can we do the, can we do the transitive property of, of sports results? You know, like when you're like, Oh, well we my team beat this team, but this team beat that team. Therefore we're better than this other team. And it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, you can that's do it, it like this. So Eric Bruner is a world champion. I think if you, right. If we go to like the end of the line, I don't know how it all works, but that's, that's basically a champion beater. Well, he won this race and this guy beat this guy and this other guy beat this guy. And then there we are. But no, I think this is a, this is actually, hopefully they're all at the front, you know, of one or both of these races, but it'll be really interesting to see, see what the Americans are doing, doing head to head. Cause we're not really unlike the years past. We're not going to, have a lot of opportunities to see that, especially with uh, Bruner missing the, the first three rounds of the USCX. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. And actually, he's going, I think he's skipping Cincy because he has to go do Big Sugar. So it's like, you know, he's still going to be doing gravel stuff. And yeah, it's kind of a bummer that we are going to get limited opportunities. I think talking to him, he's going to do Pan Ams and Nationals and Trek. You know, that's it. Wow. So we're not going to get... Whoa much of a look at him and i don't think he's really making the effort to to do any of those november races uh for whatever reason he's skipping really rad so yeah it's i mean it's 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 a reason to you know bill you're going to be at the trek cup it's the reason to get excited about that race we want to see our best racers go head to head like that's what builds narratives that's what really builds the scene and so um yeah but, you know, it kind of is what it is, and I think we should be grateful for the opportunities to, to see them when we can. Zach, how many world champions went to Major Taylor? Uh, that, you know, that's, that's really funny. It was like, again, I'm just I'm going to defer to to Jan on this one, our man Jan Buxton. Uh, if you can come up with an answer, is like, have there been an American race that isn't at track okay. or at Jingle Cross? Those weekends are out that has had three world champions, three world champions uh, like we had at this race. That's kind of wild. We had, uh, obviously, Isabel Holmgren. We had Zoe Backstead and Joris, 2017 U23 men's world champion in Luxembourg. That's a great tri- trivia question. Cross Vegas, I will bet, because you had <sighs> yeah, you, yeah. you had Wout, you had Sven, you had Mariana, you had... I, I don't know. I'm, there are probably more in there. So no okay. World Cup, then. You could try that as well. Is there any other American well, that wor- race? That, w- that was a World Cup. Yeah. So so is there an American Oh, I, I know what you're saying. What? Not a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, other Vervecken than, than Erwin Verbeck showing so, up. Yeah. And um, Bart. Was Bart, Bart? Bart was never. Was he world champion? Wellens? He certainly was. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, folks. All right. Throughout Las Cross Vegas, it, probably in the 2014, there probably were a bunch. Like, because didn't didn't Wout and Sven race it before it was a World Cup too? Yeah, yeah. So okay, that yeah. I mean, that one's like got an asterisk. So a regular American race <laughs> with multiple world champions. Yes, I like it. So I'm I'm gonna throw this disclaimer in here. Uh, before before we move on to our European race, which I think will be good and it'll be a little more evergreen. We're talking about Trek Cup. We're talking about World Cup. It is, as I said, Thursday night right now. Uh, Trek Cup happens in less than 24 hours, um, like 15 or 16 hours. So the chances that A, I get this all edited and up there, and B, you listen to it, are probably going to be slim, uh, unless you're really on it, so th- what right, we let's saying- look at the start list. Let's look at the start <laughs> list, guys. Let's let's talk about the Trek Cup as we think it's going to happen. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Bodie, who's going to win the Trek? Who's going to win? Who won? Bodie, give us who won Friday's Trek CX. Well, Cup. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who won. 
GC Lars came through with help from Yoris uh, and uh, Haverdeen's. So, uh, okay, he, so uh, what's GC Lars? What are you talking about? GC <laughs> Lars is uh, the name we give to Lars when he's, he's winning races as opposed to being the domestique like he did at Beringen. It's so he he wasn't GC Lars. Now GC means you win. You're going for the win. He went for the win. So why are you calling him GC Lars for Berenjen? He didn't win. No, no Berenjen. He wasn't GC Lars. He was domestic Lars. He was the Lars car. Oh, okay. Uh, Bill is Bill was Bill Bill is or uh, is letting all of us know that that GC Lars won on on Friday at the Trek Cup. I got you. Yep. Okay, so then he is GC Lars. Now, when he was winning the World Cup races, was he GC Lars then? Is this like a retroactive name that you've come up with? I've not come up with this name, Bill. This is this is your creation. I'm merely adopting it. I'm running with there is, your there little is no moniker. Public, there is no public record of me coming up with this name. Is there not? That's right. You're no longer on Twitter. All right. Um, I mean, X. So Lars wins... And who's actually going to start the women's race? Wasn't Sheeran on there? Could we have like a Sheeran, Magali, Clara kind of thing? We could. That's that's the uh, that's the the cross results predictor. Well, actually, it's Sheeran, Sheeran, Zoe, Clara. That sounds good to me. I like it. I just want to, I want to add that, like I wrote about this, I think this is a huge opportunity for Magalie Rochette. Um, we talked about her utter dominance of the USCX series and, you know, this provides a really good early season opportunity for her to take advantage of. Obviously she missed the world cups last year, which I'm sure she was just torn up about. Um, but you know, you've got some names where it's like, she could race really well against some names who are legit and you could be like, all right, <laughs> She's back, you know, on form. And maybe we're looking at a continuation of what she showed uh, in that 21-22 season when she was podiuming at World Cup. So, I mean, I guess there's a lot of pressure, but also I think this is a huge opportunity for her among other riders to really, like, show out this weekend, I feel like. Let's move on to Berenjen. Because I, I, I know these are good, these are good conversations, but I, I, I think that, it's going to be we're going to we're, we're going to be back soon with our follow up to the world cup races to talk about all of that then so let's let's spend the rest of the time that we have talking about um an insane course i don't know like a a mount this zach we've been watching a lot of world cup mountain biking this was like uh Leo gang esque climbs and switchbacks, and then I don't know, like Mount St. Anne descents. So, are you asking, could there be a World Cup mountain bike race at the Slag Keep? Is that kind of what you're getting at? I I'd watch it. I actually I liked Baron Jin. I liked it. I liked I liked the whole concept. The content and meme is kind of funny because it is a trash. It's a slag heap, right? And so it is sort of a man-made structure that we're now putting a race on top of. And it, in a lot of senses, you know, we try to work with a natural environment. Okay, cross, you make flyovers and you, you put up barriers. But there is some of using the natural terrain to create something to create a course out of. And then Beringen is, is literally a pile of uh, waste product that we they ride up and down. And I did like some of the descents. Some of the Burmy descents are kind of, it's interesting to take those to underbike, you know, and that's that's kind of the fun thing about cross. And so seeing the changes at first when they don't even go to the top, I, I was not a fan, and I said that as much in the group chat, but re-watching the race before we started recording, I've changed my opinion. I actually, I do like what they've done. Um, there is also like a pretty uh, sketch, a pretty tough run-up that there's part of the course. You have to dismount. Um, and thinking about this being Belgian Nats, it's going to be in January, the weather will most likely be different and it might be wet. It might be uh, very cold. Um, and I think it changes, changes the sort of, I don't know, the style of the course and, and how it's ridden. And yeah, that off camber, 
you know, we'll get to this maybe in a bit, but there was a lot of crashes. But if you take out the crashes and look at that feature, it's a it's a great feature. Um, it was a feature that, depending on how you wrote it, um, could really change the dynamic of the race. We saw that in the men's race, um, Inga went down a much slower. Um, I timed it. It when she at the top from the top to the bottom she lost ten seconds and she created a huge. I know it was it's crazy how much it was. We learned after that she actually crashed in pre ride, so she was hesitant. But you you see how that the the fight to get to the front of that to that feature is important, and that happens before that, right? So the crashes notwithstanding, I thought you also saw two different lines, right? We like that when we have different lines on a feature and it depends on how a, the, the skills the writers had and if they take it. And I, and I think the third lap sweep on that off camber got a huge gap by taking this sort of lower outside line. So I actually like that. I actually am coming around to this course. I see it maybe as less as a meme course, Zach, and more of a full kind of more fleshed out course. It does seem like, that off camber is maybe too much. Um, it's hard though, right? Cause it's like a lot of the writers did say it was dangerous and they asked promoters to do some things, maybe put some padding at the bottom, which they didn't do. So it's like, there are ways to maybe sort of like lessen that angle of entry and exit and it still be a good feature. So yeah, long way of saying I've come around to this course and they've got three years until Belgian Nats, which is kind of funny. They've started now, which is interesting Whereas last year, Fayetteville just had a World Cup. You know, first go, I guess they had a C1, right? Then they had a, But anyway, the idea that you need a few years to get a, a, a venue up to speed to Belgian nationals, um, it's interesting how in Europe they do, they take that seriously, and it's three years. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the course now. So here's maybe one way to look at it we're we're talking about wanting challenging features versus dangerous features right so if you look at like the off camber at namur that's a super challenging feature it's the type of thing where you want to be on that top ledge and if you're not you slide down and you may crash but it's not a it's not a dangerous crash you're just falling off your bike and you're losing time because you're not you're not doing. You're not um, mastering the feature. Where this is like, you don't master the feature, and it's catastrophic. So I think it, I think that's the difference. Like, yes, we want challenging features, but we don't want dangerous features. And I think I think there is a line between those two. Yeah, I agree. That's a good. That's a great point, Bill. Um. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. I don't know. Looking at Beringen, we actually this is it's one of the first races in Belgium and we had a pretty stacked field. I was shocked to see, at least in the women's field, we had Femme, we had Sheeran, um, you know, who I wasn't sure was going to sort of start her season so early. I know she did a long road season. So we had, we had Alvarado there. We had Inga. I mean, it's sort of, I was, it was good to see that many people lining up. Um, but Inga, you know, sort of opened a gap to the front three, and we're uh, sorry, sorry, Anna Maria Wurst was there. Um, and you know, was we had a little bit of a race, and Sharon had to get around the gap and try to catch up and and you know, use some matches. But I mean, after a few laps, it was it was pretty clear that Femme Van Empel is is on her winning form as of last year. You know, last year she won six in a row to end the season. Or five in a row. She's on seven now, seven straight, uh, world champion. So I think, are we seeing Femme this weekend at Trek Cup at Waterloo? Waterloo? We're supposed to. The sauces say they're coming. Okay. Okay. Well, good. I mean, that's all right. Um, I know she had that hell of a sprint last year against Alvarado. Um, and Alvarado said at Beringen that she just, she just couldn't keep up with her that she would have blown up and so she kind of had to dial back and sort of do her own race um so things are looking good for femme van ample domination um we'll see uh when puck comes where that's at well i think puck is on the start list for i mean i i spent i spent half of my write-up just trying to manifest femme against puck like whatever 
If you're if you're a woo-woo crystal person, if you're into manifest, I don't even know what manifesting is. Apparently it's this thing where you write it down and then like it's supposed to it's like from the secret, maybe. So if you're into the secret, <laughs> if that's your thing, like manifest because right, because World Cup Waterloo has been known for just bangers, right? We had everyone remembers the Ellen Noble race. We had the banger in 2021. We had the banger in 2022. So like I'm trying to manifest it. If you're out there, let's manifest it. I don't know how often we're going to get to see Fem and Puck this year. Do the thing. I, I don't think I have the power, but if you're if that's your thing, I, I just want to see a banger between those two. And I really hope they both race because then otherwise I'll look silly. <laughs> I, I want a bulletin. Now I want a bulletin feature of uh, Zach's vision board. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to see that too. You can go. I, why don't you make it in chat GPT or something like that? Okay. Really freak us out. So I, there's a lot of names on the start list who we've heard are not going to be at Trek. So I am sort of of the, I won't believe it until on Sunday I see Puck line up. I mean, she's had an incredibly uh, fruitful mountain bike uh, season. And then there was the, the, Mysterious thing on social media where the up the Alpeson team released their rosters for the various uh, for cyclocross and gravel and Puck was 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 missing and then if you go on social media everybody's asking Alpeson you know where is Puck so we are all asking where is Puck and she's on the start list so I hope we see her yeah I I, I yes and and again uh, I I want to save this World Cup talk to next time since most likely it will already have happened by the time people are listening to this uh w- w- let's talk about that Barringen's men's race because i think that was um well i'm gonna go out on a limb guys you can you can tell me i'm wrong here i'm gonna say race of the year race of the season so here's my question before we get into it before i forget this uh, anyone out there? Again, Jan, I'm looking at you. Like, is this the best season-starting European race ever? I don't, I don't know. Right? Like, it's, usually it's the preseason. There's some, you know, it's some off-brand exact cross or atheist cross or whatever. Like, is this the best season-starting race ever? And you know what? Let's not forget, this was an exact cross. That's, that's what I'm saying about the women's race. The, the lineup was was pretty stacked. And, you know, we had a banger of a race. Um, Ellie was there. Van Turnout was there. Sweek was there. I mean, we had all, all, all the gents, all the storylines we watched last year. Um, and it started off fast. And it was like group racing. It was attacks were flying. I mean, it was... It was everything I want to see in a cyclocross race, um, and you know, then then the the off camber really became a factor. Um, there was a big crash where Squeak had taken that outside line, and I don't know which teammate, whether it was um, <clears throat> whether it was Toon or Emil, sort of got ahead of him and was also taking that line. It looks like, the, like, look what we're talking about, that, that off camber is so steep that he lost a little bit of control and the speed took him right. I think he hit a fence post, Zach. His wheel went, hit a fence post and then he flipped out, he flipped over it. Um, but that definitely broke the race up a bit. Um, but most of those riders later on, we saw Ellie who was flipped his bike, had a saddle and handlebars on the dirt to put a chain back on was off the back and then was at the front again. I mean, you had Lars throwing attacks. We had, you know, Pim who crashed. We also had Tebow, Tim up in the mix at the front. I mean, it was, it was, it was dynamic racing. It it was great to see. Yeah. I think the story, I mean, really the story, and they talked about this on, on the broadcast. And I think it's no secret is we've been waiting for the next generation to come along because Michael, like, I swear, like, little, little baby face Michael Van Turnow, you know, Lawrence, like, those guys are what, 27? Michael Van Turnow is 31. 31? Or he's 30. Sorry, he's 30. He might be 29, but he's, he's racing age 30, which is surprising to me. I mean, those guys are like, 
listening to Taylor Swift dad rock age. I mean, they're getting they're getting up there. Those you know, dad age, you know, baby masters having kids. Like they're not they're not kids anymore. And we've talked about these new riders coming in. We were like, you know, Ryan Camp was good, Pim Ronhar, you know, won worlds, and it was no one had really challenged the supremacy of kind of the the guys that we had gotten used to on on the regular scene, right? Like Pickock is obviously an anomaly that's in, in his own category, <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, it's been Van Tornout, it's been Swack, it's been GC Lars. Uh, I'm blanking on the other one. I'm doing a Rick Perry and blanking on the fourth one. Uh, there was one other person. In, who am I forgetting? Van Tornout, Ailey. Swack. Swack. And GC Lars. You know, I've kind of been like the four guys who have been winning races. And so, um, you know, people have been waiting for for Tebow. They've been waiting to kind of see what he can do. And it really seems like uh, it, it didn't happen as quick, right? I think we were like, oh, well, Wout and Metchu were winning worlds at like age 19 and 20 at the elite level. And he's taken a little bit longer. But I don't know. Uh, Bodhi, I feel like you've been on the Tebow train and it really seems like he's starting to, I, this might be the year uh, that Can, he really starts to blossom. And that's, I think that's totally okay. Yeah. I mean, let's look, talk about age, Tim. I want to call him Tim. I want to call him Tim Tebow. And some of you might not know what that's referring to, but that's okay. Uh, Timmy, he's 21. He just, I mean, don't forget he raced, he won the U23 world championship earlier this year. Um, and I was looking up. I was like, you know what? Is he the same age as is our as our buddy Big Dig? And yeah, he's actually a little bit younger than Andrew Strohmeyer. Um, but they both got their first elite wins this last month. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I think the idea that like he's 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 still got plenty of time to be to sort of mature. And I think we see that with Andrew, right? Sort of like winning the, the lower ranks and then you're just not quite... The other guys, are they're just bigger than you. They're older. They have more muscles. I don't know. They're just... They've been around a little bit. They have more experience, um, more endurance, whatever. And here we go, Tebow, finally coming into his own and, and really coming into sort of that that maybe potential or just what we sort of hoped we saw earlier. I think it's great. And I hope that this is not just, you know a flash that this is a consistent form he carries through the season. And it'll be good to have someone else out there battling against the sauces and, and the shrieks. I agree with that. I, I have two, two things. <clears throat> First. Um, so GC Lars is actually, uh, that's, that's when, um, he was like Sep Kuss was GC Kuss before he was winning gc races that was it was kind of an ironic name so when lars isn't trying to win a race but helping his teammates that's when he's gc lars but all of that to say i will be happy not to use the nickname gc lars if we cannot use the nickname tim for tebow ness if if we can i will i i, I propose that trade uh, <laughs> that's that's i mean that's, that's a that's a pretty good trade not sure if I want to accept it. I really want to call him Tim, but I'll consider it. Bodie, I agree 100% with your assessment of the new blood. Um, I think that, I mean, there's cases to be made for each of these riders. Like, right, we have a relationship with them. We've had a long relationship with them. But it's kind of like, it's all within this narrow range of like, one of these guys is going to win. And I think... You know, cyclocross becomes interesting when um, when these other riders like break in and kind of like upset the apple cart, right? And like make it new. I like, for example, I I was looking through my photos and I didn't realize this, but like Puck Peterson raced at the Trek Cup, World Cup Waterloo in 2021. Like, I have photos of her. Didn't factor in the end result, but it was like that was exciting that year, right? Because you kind of had this old guard of riders, and then you had uh, Femme and Puck start to break in. Uh, now probably this year we'll be bored of them because <laughs> they're so good, but you know, that's what keeps the sport interesting is having new riders come along. And it's just been surprising how long it's taken. And I'm all for it to have other riders besides, you know, our good old war horses, our mainstays winning races. And it looks like, uh, looks like Tebow might be kind of the first guy who steps up to the plate. 
Um, but you know, Bill was alluding to this. He had a he had a really good solid in that last lap. I think we've seen that Lars Vanderhaar is more than willing to play the dutiful teammate, especially at this point in his career. You know, he's won stuff. He's done the thing, and I. I think like I think the Lars Lars Tebow combo could be a formidable could be a formidable player that you know Ailey and Michael are gonna gonna have to deal with. Yeah, I think it's I think also the thing about sort of someone um, I mentioned this earlier, but Tebow being becoming coming into form is that yeah you have more tactics that get to play out and my God I'm sitting here. And I feel bad because I'm completely blanking on the former Trek writer who just, my, Ertz, Toon, my God, Toon Ertz, right? We've been looking for that other, the Toon Ertz or Toon Ertz replacement for a while now um, for the Lions. And, you know, we have, I feel like we've never had the Lions where they had two people in the same style as uh, Van Ternau and LA sort of, sort of two offensive weapons that they could use. It's always been one will come hot and then, and then maybe Joris will be good and then Lars will be good. But now if we can get Lars and maybe Joris and, um, Tebow in the mix, I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's a shame that Sweek tore his calf first race though. I know the weekend is canceled. No, oh. <laughs> I can't I use that gift bill. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were blanking on Ertz's name because we're just kind of like, you know, he's a convicted doper. So we're just kind of like, eh, well, you doped. Are, are we Are we just going to leave hanging in the air this weekend is canceled and not mention the idol? <laughs> Did it get canceled? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other notes on the men's race, but I have one more short bit um uh, my my only other note uh, you know and i'm probably going to injure myself patting myself on the back but i called tebow winning the sprint with a lap to go you did you did i i saw that i will confirm it and i will pat you on the back as well good job thank you i'm high-fiving bill Woo-hoo, across across the i'm high-fiving bill across the cheddar curtain uh, where he currently <laughs> resides <laughs> All right, do do your bit and let's get the heck out of here. The big three, we saw Sheeran, we saw Femme racing. We also saw Puck racing. So the big three I'm referring to is the big three in women's cyclocross who gave us so many fun battles last season. They have replaced the other big three for now, for this, for this moment. So I was thinking about what they've been doing. Like I said, I was surprised to see Sheeran racing because she had a long road season. I thought I saw her mention she was like done. I knew that Puck was winning overalls in, in Mount St. Anne and Femme was dominating at Beringen. So I was curious going through who had the best off season because they all did fairly well in sort of a different program. Um, Femme Van Ampel, we'll list some Pomare, some results here. Second at the Youth Giro, uh, first in points at the Tour de l'Avenir Femmes. It's kind of the Tour de France for the U23s. She also got third at Gravel Euros, possibly second because Tiffany Cromwell is Australian, finished first. Uh, she and Also, Femme had a mountain bike result. She had 10th at European Championships. Uh, Sharon Van Anroy, long road season, was top 10 in so many classics races in the spring. She got first at Trofeta Alfredo Binga. She got second at the GC Vuelta Albergas. And she got third at Amstel Gold, which is not a monument, but it's definitely a classic. And it's a great podium finish. And then we go to Puck, who got, let's not forget, she did two road races this season. She got fifth at Strada Bianca, probably the highest ranked result in her list of Palmares here. But we'll just read the rest. Um, Puck won three World Cup mountain bike races. She won one short track race. She won Dutch Nationals. She won... Euros, that was all mountain bike. She also won the overall in the XEO 
and the overall in the XCC. Bill, did I miss anything else that she did in mountain biking? No, but I'm still trying to figure out what the bit is because in my eyes, being a little mountain bike biased, um, I don't even think it's close. She won the overall in the World Cup as a, like a first year. It, it's insane. People wait their whole career to do that. And, and she won both overall World Cups plus one races in either. That's just like she... If anything, put everything away, she could just be a mountain biker, and maybe she will be, and just make her career doing that. I mean, just an insane season for her in the, on the mountain bike. Bodie, did you develop, uh, was, there, was there some sort of metrics? Were you trying to rank these? Was there, like, were you coming up with, were you coming up with scores, or is this, because Bill is, is taking up the, the mantle of doing a vibes-based approach to assessing uh, cycling this year. We've, we've handed, are you doing a vibes-based approach? Well, I think it's pretty obvious with just uh, the, the results approach. But yeah, vibes approach. Zach, how are you feeling about these two, the big three? Who won the off-season? Who won the quote-unquote off-season? Are you kidding me? Puck Peterson did. Like, it's not even a question. Like, it was it was over when she won the first two World Cups of the season. <laughs> it was over when she got to the podium. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that the first race? She won the first race. Like, wasn't I'm that- saying it, the, the champagne. Oh. When, she was, <laughs> when she went two bottles deep on the champagne on the podium, <laughs> that's the only metric you need for who had the best off season. All right. Well, I, you know what, Bodie, I just appreciate that you read all those like obscure road race names that I would never be able to pronounce. And I was just <laughs> commenting that I realized why I stopped paying attention early a season. Cause then you were like, I'm still gold. I was like, I can pronounce that one. I don't have to exert any effort. So, I mean, I appreciate, appreciate you sharing, but I mean, I, you know, puck is sitting good. We'll see what happens in cross season, but yeah, it seems I, like- I think it's just, it's, it's, it was exciting to kind of look at the results and think like, my God, like we had so much fun watching them race cross last season together. And then they went out and sort of kind of did a little bit separate pass, but just did really well there. And just, it's exciting to get back into cross and, and, and see what happens again this season and just to give kudos and just, you know, we want to give kudos to the riders. Like puck is puck is like our writer as a cyclocross podcast, right? She's our writer. She was here first, right? She might go out and be the best mountain bike ever, but like we'll always have the CX season of, you know, 22 to 23. I think that's a great place to end it. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to talk really soon after after this World Cup, which when you're listening to this probably has already happened. <laughs>